With over seven and a half billion people in the world, fascinating stories become lost in the timeline of generations. My name is Lily Donnelly, and I have made it my mission to give a voice to the voiceless in the hopes to unite our similarities through investigative journalism. Let's start small. Demi Lovato, Lady Gaga, Paula Abdul, Kesha, Elton John, Princess Diana, Hilary Duff, the list goes on. What do these people have in common? All of the above have struggled with eating disorders. Eating disorders affect at least 9% of the population worldwide. That's roughly 700 million people. Eating disorders are serious but treatable mental and physical illnesses that can affect people of all genders, ages, races, religions, ethnicities, sexual orientations, body shapes, and weights. In fact, eating disorders have the second highest mortality rate of all mental health disorders, surpassed only by opioid addiction. There are many misconceptions in our society about what causes eating disorders. It is rarely about food or wanting to be thin. Instead, sufferers use food and unhealthy behaviors like dieting, starving, binging, and purging to cope with unpleasant and overwhelming emotions and stressful situations. I want to emphasize an eating disorder is not a choice. An eating disorder is a mental illness that is so stigmatized by society that sufferers are afraid to seek help. It's hard for me to admit, but I have suffered from an eating disorder since the age of 13. And let me just tell you, it is not glamorous, and I am not proud of it. I felt so ashamed, and all my unhealthy tendencies made me obsessed with my appearance. The amount of nights I've cried while forcing myself to eat after days of starving myself is countless. In honor of National Eating Disorder Week, I wanted to share my story along with my amazing roommate, Hannah Tomasetti's experience. Hannah and I have been able to confide in each other about our issues over the past few months, and I am proud to say I have almost fully recovered. I am hesitant to say I have fully recovered because although I have left my unhealthy tendencies in the past, it was not easy. From time to time, damaging thoughts do pop into my head and I choose to ignore them for the sake of my well-being. Throughout my recovery, I learned so many valuable lessons, and that's another reason why I felt recording this episode was necessary. Once I began loving myself, I was able to treat my body right. And after almost five years of struggling to be happy with my body, it wasn't until I started eating healthier and working out that I was able to lose 25 pounds. And I'm very proud of myself because I can say I lost that weight the healthy way. People are so quick to judge and put labels on each other, and what may seem to be an innocent comment could be very damaging for someone who suffers from an eating disorder. 
Phrases like, you look like you've lost weight, or you look good, how did you lose weight, may seem very innocent, but whenever someone would say that to me, it was a form of encouragement. Now I am happy to say that encouragement has taken a new form. After the dramatic weight loss I've experienced over the past few months, I am often presented with phrases like those. But now, it empowers me to fight my ED. And it empowers me to choose to be healthy. Hannah's bravery is something that really inspired me to advocate for people who are too afraid to do it themselves. Hannah and I sat down on February 23rd to share our stories with you. I hope you enjoy. So Hannah, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Hannah Tomasetti. I am a freshman at Syracuse University, majoring in information management and technology. I am Lily Donnelly's roommate, and I am from Ridgefield, Connecticut. Amazing introduction. And I just want to say I have been waiting to have you on the podcast since the first day we met, since before I even had a name for this podcast. So I'm just so excited to have you here. And it's funny to say that just because we're both in such different mindsets than we were when we first came to school. And Honestly, I know your experience is different than my experience when I first came to school, but I definitely was still struggling with my ED when I came to school. I wanted to ask you, when you first came to school, how do you think that affected your ED? Coming to school was definitely, I would say, a triggering experience for me first semester In full transparency, I would say that my eating disorder, I've been struggling with one since the beginning of freshman year of high school. It probably got to the worst it's ever gotten. Well, coming into college, it's obviously a very nerve-wracking and anxiety-provoking experience because you're going into a new world with new people, completely new, fresh slate from your hometowns and I associated people's first impressions with your physical appearance. With that being said, this caused my eating disorder to definitely take root and eventually grow into something that was controlling every second of my life. And it got to the point where I had to make a decision for myself. Do I want to keep going down this path and continue to hurt myself and have these unhealthy habits that are controlling every aspect of my life? Or do I want to start making the effort, taking that road to recovery and taking those steps, which are very difficult, but taking those steps to work on making a better relationship with food? So I'm grateful to say that I chose that path and I'm currently working towards my eating disorder recovery. But that being said, first semester was a very challenging and difficult time that forced me to have a lot of self-reflection. When I reference first semester, I'm referencing the worst point my eating disorder ever got. And when I was living in this suite with Lily and our two other roommates, 
unlike Lily, it did not get better for me at that point yet. And I was struggling immensely with food and eating at that time. And because of that, I was extremely exhausted and unmotivated and sad. And I just felt like crap all the time. There's no other way to put it. I just felt awful. Because I felt so shitty all the time, I obviously did not want my roommates or the people that I was hanging out with to know or see or associate like negative energy and sadness with me. I did not want people to know the extent of the struggles that I was dealing with at that time. So what I did was I hid it. I completely, other than Lily, I did not really share my struggles with anyone because I just felt at that time that it was something to be embarrassed about, which it's not. The way I reference it is I would put on a mask I would put on this happy face that I'm okay, I'm, I'm doing good in school, I have friends that I'm hanging out with, I'm having a great time. I made it look like I was a happy, ecstatic, positive girl that was living her best life. But what you didn't see was by like 6 p.m., I would be completely exhausted from the day because I was shoving down all of those negative feelings and emotions the entire day and just hiding it from everyone I interacted with. And that in itself was very, very exhausting. And it would cause me to stay in my room and isolate myself while my roommates were in the middle room socializing and getting to know each other better. And at the time, they all were asking me, like, Hannah, Hannah, why aren't you hanging out with us? Like, come hang out, come outside, like, watch a movie with us. And although inside, I really, really deeply wanted to go hang out with my friends and and bond with them more, I mentally could not handle that at that point because I was so exhausted from putting on a mask the entire day that I would just have to end up laying in bed for the rest of the night and recharge so that I could put on my show the next day. And no person deserves to live their life pretending that they're okay, that everything's fine. And it's the little things that you don't pick up on while you're in the midst of it, that when you're looking back in hindsight, you're like, wow, I I really, I was really messed up there. I can't believe that that's how I was thinking or that's how I was feeling at that point. Can I just say my first reaction to what you just said was, wow, because that mindset that you had coming into first semester and coming to college was exactly what I experienced. I think over this past summer, the summer of 2020, was probably one of the worst times for my ED as well, just because I felt that I'm coming to college. I don't want to be known as the fat girl. And that is so sad because now that I am on my road to recovery as well, I definitely have learned to appreciate people the way they are because we are all born so differently. No one looks the same. We are all individuals. So to fit this beauty standard that is almost impossible 
possible to achieve, especially with apps like Facetune and all these filters and all this editing and all this Photoshop. It is almost impossible for a regular person like me and like you, natural girls who don't have any sort of plastic surgery, any sort of filler, to meet those standards. So I remember over the summer, I was thinking to myself, I have to lose as much weight as I possibly can before I come to college. Otherwise, people won't like me. The way that I viewed bodies and the way I viewed people was people like you if you are attractive. And people are more likely to be your friend and talk to you if you are attractive. And that is not true. Let me just say. That is... I had the same exact way of thinking, and I can confirm that is not true at all. No, because we are all individuals, and we are all taking our different courses of life. And I think first semester was really hard for me, too, just because I came into school and if you have ever been to college, you know that dining hall food is not the healthiest food. And I remember sitting down at the dining hall for one of the first times looking at the food and saying, I have no idea how much oil was cooked in this. How many calories do you think this is? I was just overanalyzing everything that I would put into my mouth. And that is such a bad way of living your life. So my tendencies definitely progressed when I got to school. But I think, honestly, it started getting better for me toward the end of first semester. When we moved into the suite, if you don't know, we originally lived in a split double, me and Hannah, and now we live in a suite with two of our other friends who are amazing and we love them. And I think moving into this space, Phoebe and Fiona, our other two roommates, definitely have their lives together I would just like to say if yes. you yes Me. if you are exposed to those two girls they have really got their lives mapped out and I think seeing that I realized I am a wreck it was definitely an eye-opening thing just because I have said things about eating disorders to them as well in the past telling them that I've struggled before and when I saw the looks on their faces they were shocked and these two girls are so healthy so fit they work out all the time they eat so well and I thought to myself when they were so shocked that I said that I've struggled before, do you not struggle? You guys are so beautiful. And they were role models for me in that sense because I looked at them and I said, wow, I want to feel healthy. I want to look healthy. And you guys are eating full meals, three meals a day, fully, you know, snacking, eating healthy foods, and you're still maintaining this healthy weight for your bodies. And so for me, at least, I realized I'm not going to lose weight by starving myself. I'm not going to lose weight by binging and purging. I'm not going to lose weight that way. The only way I'm going to lose weight is if I fully change my lifestyle, which is kind of what I've done now. How I would define an eating disorder would be so many things because I don't think eating disorders fit into one category. I think eating disorders are different for everyone. And I think for me to share my story on the podcast, I needed Hannah with me. There's no way I can do this without Hannah because 
our experiences are so different. And I think that's what makes eating disorders so tricky. One person can be anorexic and not eat and struggle with eating food. And most of my time with the eating disorders, it wasn't that I struggled with food. It was the feeling after I ate the food, which really messed me up. That feeling of being full was something that I feared so much that the next day, I would starve myself so that I wouldn't feel that way or I would make up for all that food that I had eaten the day before. Although my eating disorder changed, people really don't know is eating disorders, you can't really put a label on it. I think that they change and they develop and they come and they go. And for me, I definitely had months where I was doing super well and I was eating healthy and feeling good about myself. And then there were other months where I'm starving myself and I'm purging and I'm doing all these things. And that was really what messed me up because people were telling me, oh, you're this. Oh, you're that. And I said, no, I'm not. And I watched documentaries. I watched movies about eating disorders. And I said, I'm not that. These girls in these movies, they look like they're dying. I looked at myself and I said, I don't look like that. And so I think that was really what triggered me even more was I saw those girls who are the definition of unhealthy and those girls that look anorexic. And I said, I don't look like that. So I'm not anorexic. I don't have an eating disorder, which is so wrong because if you have an eating disorder, you don't fit into a category. It is so versatile and it is so crazy how it works because it is a mental illness. It is not something that you choose to do one day. It was something that I really had to come to terms with because for years, I couldn't even accept that that was something I was labeled as. I was labeled as having an eating disorder, which it's such a scary word because our society puts such a stigma against eating disorders, but they are so common. That's what really upsets me about the whole eating disorder culture is that it is not accepted as a problem by society. And it is a problem, but I know Hannah has really been through the ringer with her eating disorder and mine comes and goes and yours has kind of been something that you've carried with you for the past five years yeah for the past five years so I want you to tell me kind of from the beginning how this happened how this progressed what really started this whole journey for you In elementary school and middle school, I was a competitive swimmer. I was swimming seven to eight times a week, very uh, going to swim meets, going to hour and a half practices, doing dry land. And I could eat a feast and it would go right through my body. I was an athlete and you have to fuel your body. So when I was doing that sport, I would eat obviously a lot more than someone that might not be swimming eight times a week. And then end of eighth grade, I started developing hip issues. Unfortunately, I had to quit swimming because of them. My metabolism sort of slowed down because I wasn't as active as before. And because of that, I started to develop issues with eating. Freshman year of high school was the first time where I would say I had an eating disorder. It was just something that used to not be on my mind at all. And the snap of your fingers, food became a topic that I would think about constantly throughout the day. And it would be all I thought about. And 
it completely controlled my life. I could not eat anything without feeling guilty. I could not go to bed without exercising. It became a very vicious cycle that sucked the life out of me and made me a very irritable and just sad person. It took a while for me to say anything to my parents because I was very ashamed and embarrassed about what I was going through. In a way, I was blaming myself saying like, I chose to do this. I did this to myself, so I'm the one to blame. But that's just not the reality. It, it wasn't my fault and I needed help. So around the summer of sophomore year, my parents and I agreed that I needed help in my recovery. My parents were helping me by hiring dietitians and nutritionists to help me with my food. My parents did not feel comfortable with the progress that I was making at that point. So in late July of that year, they sort of sprang this upon me one night. And it was a very, very traumatic experience for me, I'd say. To this day, I have trouble with seeing dietitians and nutritionists because of this. They basically sent me to a residential eating disorder rehab center without my consent. And I was in there for about a month over the summer of my freshman year. And it was an experience I'll never forget. Well, what was it like being in the house and being around those people? Was, I was not self-aware of anything that was going on. Like at this point now in my life, I have gone through so much self-reflection and I understand a lot of the things that have happened to me. But at that time, it was a very overwhelming, scary experience because at that point, I did not want to be in recovery. It was more of something that was forced upon me. And because of that, it has definitely left some scars mentally for me. At that time, like I was very impressionable. So honestly, being in that house was more damaging than helpful for me at that point, just because of my mindset and how impressionable I was. When I went there, there was me and two other residents at that point. At that time, I did not know much about eating disorders. I didn't know. I, I like Lily said earlier, I thought eating disorders meant you were anorexic and stick skinny. That was my impression of what eating disorder was. So when I got sent there first, I was, first off, I was very confused. But then also the two other patients that were there sort of displayed symptoms of that sort, which sort of made me feel like my struggles with eating and my challenges and my fears were not as valid because I did not look like I was dying. Dying. <laughs> dying. It's, it's so hard to say that. It's hard to say. But, but, yeah. but eating, but what people don't understand is that you do not have to have no fat on your body to have an eating disorder. Like I said in the intro, out of the world, 700 million people in their lives will experience some type of eating disorder. So when people are saying, especially in my life, in my experiences, people have said to me, you don't have an eating disorder. You're not skinny enough to have an eating disorder. Yes, any one can have an eating disorder. And I really want to emphasize yeah. that because yes. your feelings in that house are so valid because you at that time are so young, so impressionable. And you are seeing these people who 
are so skinny and it's making you neglect the fact that yes, you do have an eating disorder and yes, it is a problem because I had that exact same experience. I would look at girls that had eating disorders and I would look at their bodies and I would say, I don't look like that. I don't have an eating disorder, which is not true. And I feel like that's definitely something that impacted you when you went to that house because you saw these people and you said to yourself, I don't need to do this recovery. I don't need to take this seriously because I am not to that point, which honestly is the most damaging part of the whole thing. Unfortunately, I do want to say when I went in there because of that mindset that I I didn't want to go through recovery yet because I felt like I hadn't gone too far and eating disorders are very competitive. So I was comparing myself. I basically made a pact with myself when I was in there that I would do whatever they told me to do just so that I can get out as soon as possible. And I wasn't doing any of the exercises or I wasn't practicing healthy eating for myself and for my recovery, which now I am, but I was doing it then just to get out of there so that I could go back home and continue my behaviors, which is a very unhealthy way of thinking. I think when it comes to your experience, when you first told me that you went to a house, you went to an inpatient for your eating disorder, I don't know if you remember that conversation, but I remember being shocked by that because for the people that don't know Hannah, she is such a happy person. Meeting her, you would not know that she had an eating disorder. And I think that goes similarly for me as well because I come off as a very confident person and I come off very hard-headed and I definitely am not a person that you can mess with. So in that sense, people don't accept expect us to suffer from these things. And hearing about you and your experience going through this house, it really was eye-opening to me as well because I thought, wow, if Hannah, somebody so sweet, someone who looks very healthy, could have an eating disorder to the extent where she needed to go to a house or her parents sent her to a house, you know, without her consent. At that moment, that was terrifying to me because I thought to myself, If Hannah could go through that, that means I am at that same stage where I could go through that as well. And I think that that's the scariest part about going to a house because in the house, although these people are there to support you, they're not your family. You know, you don't know these people and being around other people with eating disorders that you are not comfortable with is really triggering, let me just say. Yeah, I want to add on to that. Going into that, I was in a horrible mindset. I was super upset, obviously, going into there. And then the fact that I was surrounded by complete strangers that were now watching all of my behaviors around food and and having to eat meals with them and with other patients and see how they were eating and what they were eating and comparing myself to them was the most challenging thing I had faced at that point in my life. I was just completely torn up and feel like a place for recovery. It felt like a place that sort of was in a way feeding into that competitiveness of the eating disorder that I was struggling with at that point. Also, I would just like to say that when you have an eating disorder, food is your primary focus. Every single time I was in high school, I would sit in class, I would think about what am I going to eat, how much am I going to eat, calorie-wise, thinking about food is 
an obsession. That's what comes along with having an eating disorder. So especially going to a house and going to an environment where that is the primary focus why you were there. You were there for a whole month and every single day, I'm sure your mind did not stray from food because that's all they're talking about. And the people in these houses are trying to help you, but their methods are very, very, very poor. And I don't want to say that about every house because obviously I've not experienced it myself, but hearing Hannah's experience, it is honestly such a triggering thing. And if I was there and I had that similar experience, I think I would be extremely triggered just because I would be constantly obsessing over food, being in an environment where that is all that they would talk about. And I think that your experience, I mean, I might be wrong, but your experience, it definitely impacted you. Yeah, no, my experience has definitely impacted me to this day. We were on a tight schedule. They would wake us up at a certain time. We would shower and get ready, get dressed at a certain time, come downstairs. They would have group therapy sessions where people talked about their fears or coping mechanisms that might have been helping them, hearing other people's struggles at that point, when I was at that point in my eating disorder, was not helping me. It was just in a way like giving me ideas. So their therapy methods were very anti-productive for me because at that point I was just sort of taking in other people's thoughts and feelings. So we would do that and then we would have a morning snack. We would first have breakfast, then we would have a morning snack. We would have lunch. We would have afternoon snack. We would have dinner and we would have nighttime snacks. And as someone that went from eating one meal a day to now being like now eating six times a day, it was a very, very big jump for me. And the expectations that the people had for the patients there were to like finish the, the food that they portioned onto your plate each meal or else you would have to drink like a supplement shake. And in my mind, I wanted to get out there as soon as possible. So I knew that if I listened to my eating disorder and didn't finish my meals like I had wanted to, then I would have to drink the shakes and stay there longer because I wasn't eating the food that they were telling me to eat. We would eat six meals a day. We were expected to finish them. The only exercise we were allowed to have was a 10-minute walk outside each day, and we would have to ask to go on the walk. They knew that over-exercising was a form of like purging for some people, and in, that, in my case, it actually was for me. It did really mess with my mind because all the behaviors that I was so used to because it became my normal was now stripped away from me and I was forced to face so many of my fears surrounding food and exercise all at once. And And in a very uncomfortable environment. In an environment that I was not comfortable in with strangers and it really took a toll on my mind and the way I looked at food. So... When you left the house, what happened after that? I just want to know those following months, what was it like? And then how eventually now have you come to the point where you are? Initially, when coming out of the house, I do want to say I was eating a lot more normally than before. 
my fear around food definitely sort of went away for a little bit. And I, for a while, I would say like for a little bit of my sophomore year, food, I, it wasn't really too much of a thought for me. I feel like that was the closest to normal eating I was in the past five years. But Somewhere along the line, this is where I started having my hip issues. I had to have two hip surgeries, sophomore and junior year, which made me immobile for many, many months. Caused me to gain some weight while I was healing from my surgeries. And because of that, my disordered thinking started to creep back into my life. So I'd say around junior year, I started to have restrictive thoughts again and... I would start over-exercising now that my hips were no longer bothering me. And I started to fall back into those behaviors that I had during freshman year when I was struggling with my eating disorder. Quarantine, when I was a senior in high school, I really was struggling with eating all throughout that time. I was eating, but it was not healthy eating. I had a very negative emotions and thoughts connected towards food. When quarantine hit, and we were in isolation. I was trapped in a living environment that at the time was very, very toxic for my mental health. My relationship with one of my sisters and my parents at the time was constantly on the rocks and I was extremely stressed out and upset most of the time. I began to use food as something to comfort myself when I was at points where I felt alone and upset and helpless. With time, I started using food as a way to comfort myself, like a coping mechanism almost. And I developed a binge eating disorder. And at the time, honestly, until probably November of this year, I did not, or last year, I did not know that binging could even be qualified as an eating disorder. They can change and develop and also like they can affect people in so many different ways, not just anorexia like most people assume. So at this time, I started to struggle with binging to sort of cope with the emotions that I was experiencing at that time. And I began to develop other behaviors like purging and restricting to extents that I had never taken them before. From quarantine up until the end of first semester of college, it just kept progressing. Near the end of first semester, my entire day, it completely surrounded what I ate that day or what I didn't eat that day. All of those thoughts were just constantly in my mind. And when I say constantly, I started having issues with paying attention in class. Like I thought I had ADHD. Lily can confirm this. I would sit at my desk from the morning to 11 at night. I can confirm. Yes. (laughs) I would sit there and try to do my work and was unable to because I couldn't focus because I was too busy thinking. At the time, I didn't know this, but I was too busy thinking about food or like my lack of. It became so controlling that it was all I thought about. And it made me, that was the saddest I have ever been in my entire life. I was just so lost and looking for validation in the wrong places. And I felt so hopeless that I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to be at school anymore. I wanted to go home. I I just wanted to give up. I had no intentions of staying at Syracuse. And it was affecting my relationships. It was affecting 
my personality, my mood, my attention, everything, my motivation. At the time, I was in denial. I was in complete denial. I was telling myself, I'm not that person. I am not irritable. I like it's not affecting my mood. I like I'm okay. But now looking back in hindsight, I was just lying to myself. I was lying to myself because now that I'm eating normally and healthy, I can see night and day difference between my mood and my personality and my motivation. I'm no longer in this fog and constantly thinking about food. I I don't have to obsess over these feelings anymore, which is so liberating and freeing. And I cannot explain how grateful that I have come to this point. What really changed for you where you said, this is my time to be healthy. This is my time to let go of some of these tendencies that I've carried with me for the past few years. So if I'm being fully transparent, I it wasn't until probably the end of January for me where I really had that aha moment. I need to really focus on myself and just dive into this recovery because it's now or never. I was at home for three months at that point from school and I was still struggling with my eating disorder throughout those three months. It was just something that never really fully left. It got to the point where my family was noticing and it got to a point where it wasn't just affecting me. It was now affecting my family who was living with me. And I realized I was like, I am not okay with this. I could see that it was hurting my parents. It was hurting my sisters to see how much pain and how upset and sad I was and how much I hated myself. It hurt me even more seeing that I was now hurting my loved ones. Like, do I want to go on the rest of my life living like this, struggling with food, struggling with eating and constantly thinking about this for the 80, 90 years that I'm in my life? Like, do I want that for myself or do I want to take the difficult steps towards starting an eating disorder recovery to eventually not have to think about those things and to live a life where I can enjoy eating food and I can go out with my friends and not have to worry about what I will be eating there? i finally reached my breaking point where I wanted recovery for myself. And because of that, I started my recovery the end of January. Wow. What you just said really resonated with me because I think although my family wasn't affected by my eating disorder, I really kept my eating disorder hidden. But when I was a freshman in high school, I felt as though this was a turning point for me. This was a time that I could start over, which wasn't the case now that I am in college. It's definitely college is the the turning point for me. But I saw in movies and I saw in shows and I looked at myself and I said, I'm in high school and I don't look like that. And watching those things and seeing those movies really impacted me. And so... When I got to high school, I didn't want to be myself. I'll be honest. I didn't want to be in my body. I thought the world has given me so much. I knew that I had something and I knew that I could make something of myself from a very young age. And so I felt that my weight and my appearance was the only thing holding me back from ultimate success. And that is what was so hard for me because 
I didn't realize that I had all the means to be successful and that my weight had nothing to do with being successful at all. As a result, I neglected food. And like Hannah was saying earlier, I became so obsessed with every single thing I would put into my mouth. And that is really a horrible way to live. And I think throughout high school, I definitely experienced a lot of different interactions with others. I learned that people come and go. And for me, going through that, I wanted to know why. I always wanted answers as to why I would lose a friend or I would lose a special connection with someone. I would obsess over what was wrong with me. And I had this story in my mind that the reason why was because of my weight. And I would think to myself, I am so smart. I am so outgoing. I try my best to be the best person I can be. And these people don't want to stay in my life. And that really hurt me. So through that hurt, I turned that hurt to anger and I would blame myself. And Now that I'm older, I realize there is no reason to blame myself. People come and go. That's a part of life. And although people leave, you can still appreciate those memories you have with them and you can move forward. And so coming to college, it really came full circle for me because I used to go out and I used to eat a whole bunch of food and I would just feel so guilty all the time and I would cry all the time and I would just blame myself I would say, why did you eat that? You know, like, you know that you're fat. You know that you're this. You know that you're that. Why are you doing this to yourself? Why can't you get up and go to the gym? Why can't you eat healthier? Why can't you do this? So it really just became a mental struggle. It was an inner battle with myself because I could not understand why I was feeling this way. And I just really wanted this version of myself that I had in my head that was not the reality. And as a result, I just hated myself and I hated the way I looked and I hated the way I felt and it gave me social anxiety. I mean, if you meet me in person, you would not think that I have social anxiety, but at the same time, I felt as though people were judging me every single second of every single day because of the way I looked and it made me think I cannot mess up a single thing that I say. I have to be perfect with every single thing that I say because that is the only thing that I have going for me, which is so, 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 so false. And so coming to college, I definitely had this mindset that when I got here, I was going to lose a whole bunch of weight. And that just was not the reality. And it really made me rethink how I thought about myself. Because when you come to college, you meet a whole bunch of new people. And I remember even when Hannah and I were first connecting and first really getting to know each other, she would say to me, you're gorgeous the way you are. You're gorgeous the way you are. And for me, whenever somebody would compliment me, it would kind of go in one ear and out the other. And it was something that I never believed for myself. And so slowly toward the end of first semester, my tendencies definitely went away. And the thing is with my eating disorder is it was never a constant battle for me. Mentally, it was always a constant battle, but I felt as though I was strong enough to overcome these things. It would come with 
a lot of mental problems. So it was when those big events happened in my life that I would get into my brain and I would say, this happened because you're fat. This happened because you look like this. This happened because you're not skinny. And that is so not the right way to look at it. So it would turn into binging and it would turn into starving myself. When I moved into the suite with my three roommates, I really learned how to love myself while being here. And although I was still insecure at that point, I knew that good things were going to come. And I felt as though my past struggles in my life had really come to a halt. It's hard for me to say that because I think that people really are tailored by their experiences. And I think that there were many factors that led into why I developed an eating disorder. But once I came home from school, I decided that I was going to continue the healthy lifestyle I was practicing at school. I decided I wanted to bring that home with me. But so when I came home from school, I decided that I really wanted to take my health very seriously. And so when I got home, I was cooking healthy meals and I was eating well and I was going to the gym every day, doing yoga, working out, and I felt good. And that is what is so crazy to me about the past five years of my life is that throughout my journey, I never saw a change in my body. I may have felt different inside. I may have felt like I was losing weight or I may have felt like I was empty inside. But when I really started eating right and working out, that is when I started losing weight. I felt as though I needed to lose weight to be my best self, which is so not true because I found self-love before I lost weight. And the point I'm trying to make with my weight loss is that if you seriously believe the only way you can be happy is to lose weight, first of all, that is not true. Second of all, you will never be able to do that unless you start treating your body with the respect it deserves. And that is what I learned through this whole experience. I spent five years trying to lose weight. And it wasn't until I stopped trying to lose weight that I started losing weight. Once I decided I am going to treat my body with respect and I am going to make healthier decisions for myself, that is when I started seeing progress in becoming healthy. In society, we are so tailored to think that dieting, to think that meal replacements, to think that protein powders and, and supplements and all of this stuff is going to help you lose weight. And that is just so false. And I wish somebody told me that because I tried every single thing in the book to lose weight and not a single thing worked. And so what I decided to do was I am going to stop obsessing over food and I am going to do what makes me happy and what makes me feel good and feel healthy. 
And if I lose weight, then I lose weight. And if I don't lose weight, at least I know I am treating my body with the respect it deserves and my body will thank me as a result. Before, when I would starve myself, I was tired all the time. I was moody. I was grumpy. Like Hannah was saying before, it really affects you mentally. And I felt as though I could not achieve the things I wanted to achieve because I was so exhausted and I was so drained from having to worry about this all the time. And so I told myself, I'm going to let go of that and I'm going to enjoy my life. I'm going to stop and I'm going to smell the roses. And that's what's going to make me healthy. Healthy comes in all different shapes and sizes. And I really want to emphasize that because being healthy comes in all different shapes and sizes. It can look different on so many different people. And so when I would look at these girls who were so skinny and so, in my eyes, beautiful, I was looking at myself and comparing myself to them, but I wasn't thinking about maybe that's healthy for them, but maybe that's not healthy for me. Maybe my body isn't built like that. And I am a 5'11 girl. So my friends, my entire life would step on the scale and they would say, oh, I weigh 110 pounds. I weigh 105 pounds. I weigh 120 pounds. And for me, I looked at myself and I said, I weigh 150 pounds. I must be fat. I weigh 150 pounds. These, you know, these girls weigh so much less than me. I must be fat. And that's the problem with society is people think that if a number on a scale is lower, they are more attractive, which is not true. I am 5'11", and my healthy weight is 130 pounds. That was what was so hard for me. And so now I can say 100%, I love myself. And that is something I never thought I'd be able to say. And my entire life, I have never been as happy as I am today. And that is because I know that I'm treating my body well. To conclude my take on my experience, I want to leave my audience with some advice. And that is to love yourself. Because no matter what your body looks like, if you don't have self-love, you're never going to appreciate yourself. And you're never going to grow. And you're never going to be healthy. And so throughout all of this, I want to say that I am so grateful for where I am today. And if you are someone who's struggling with an eating disorder, I want you to know that you are not alone. There are people out there that want to help. There are organizations out there that want to help. I am so grateful to have found Hannah because throughout my experience, I told two, maybe three friends about what I was going through. And I never had that support system. I was at it alone. The whole point of this podcast and the whole reason why I wanted to bring Hannah on here was to emphasize that this is something that is normal. And it is sad that this is something that is normal because so many people have it and so little people get the help they need. So if you take anything from today, I would just like to say, Please, if you are struggling in any way, shape, or form, please talk to someone because going at this alone is the worst thing you can do.
you do not deserve to go through this alone. You deserve to have someone help you. Exactly. And it's definitely been a long journey, but I am so happy we are finally here. Well, after that entire conversation, Hannah, I just want to thank you because you have been so brave throughout this entire process. And this is not something that's easy to talk about. And I think that you showed so much positivity and you are so grateful for where you are now. And I am so grateful that I have you in my life and that we can go through this together. So I wanted to thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I am very happy to share my story. And I hope that Lily and I sharing our experiences will hopefully help some of you with eating disorders that if you're struggling with them or people in your life that may be struggling with them. This was amazing. Um, I am going to cut into the outro right now. But before that, I have an ad that I would like to play for all of you. So please stay tuned for the end. Thank you so much for listening. Are you itching for a good story? Laughter among friends, maybe even a mystery or two? Well, you're in luck. Fire Breathing Kittens is a standalone Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Each episode is a separate three-hour-long story, like a movie for your ears, so you can listen to these adventures in any order you like. So join us on a real play D&D quest as we solve mysteries, attempt comedic banter, and enjoy friendship. Fire Breathing Kittens podcast. Fantasy, action, mystery, friendship. I would also like to give a shout out to the We Don't Know Them podcast hosted by Tia and Maddie. It is a podcast recorded in Toronto where people can write in their questions and situations and get advice. This podcast balances humor and life experiences to provide genuine help to their listeners. You can send them questions to we don't know them podcast at gmail.com and follow their Instagram at we don't know them podcast. If you or a loved one is suffering from an eating disorder, you owe it to yourself to get help. For more information regarding eating disorders, you can visit nationaleatingdisorders.org or for help, call 800-931-2237. I wanted to give a special shout out to my team because without you, this wouldn't have been possible. Thank you all so much for listening. I wanted to remind you to follow our Instagram at Start Small Podcast. And if you would like to be featured in an upcoming segment, send us an email at startsmallpodcast.com. Thank you so very much. Have an amazing day.